Hello, and welcome back to Move This World with Sarah, conversations in social-emotional learning. In today's episode, I speak with NFL superstar Eric Decker and his longtime friend and manager, Matt Mizakio. Not knowing a lot about football myself, I might be one of the few people to have the opportunity to sit with this famed wide receiver and not even once bring up playing in the Super Bowl or what it was like to catch passes from Peyton Manning. Instead, our conversation touched on how playing college baseball, in addition to football, taught Eric about managing the highs and lows and being consistent with his emotions while also dealing with failure. We talked about what life on the road with his country music star wife, Jesse James Decker, is like as Eric and their kids have joined mom on her recent tour. Amidst all that comes with tour life, Eric and his wife are intentional about carving out time as a couple with their children and alone. With both of us being the parents of three young children, well, unsure if my third child will have arrived by the time this airs, we laughed over stories involving late school drop-offs, vomiting, even stitches. One of my favorite moments was when we acknowledged the crossroads we often face in choosing to prioritize our own well-being. For Eric, it was retiring from football and having the space to actually engage in self-discovery. For me, it was in 2016 after building Move This World for a decade and realizing that I didn't have more to give in terms of creative inspiration. Listening to Eric and Matt talk about the value of having an accountability partner reminded me how the work we do to establish emotional consistency is best achieved in community. Through supporting and challenging one another, we can reach the fullest versions of ourselves. I'm so excited to be here today with Eric Decker, former NFL star, entrepreneur, husband, father to three beautiful children, and his longtime friend and manager, Matt Mizakio. Thank you both for being with us today. Before we dive in to our discussion, thought it would be helpful to take a moment to center ourselves and ground ourselves. Even before we started recording, we were all talking about the challenges of work from home life and even more so work from home life with small children and small children who are homesick. So let's just take a moment to ground ourselves and center ourselves so that we can be fully present for this discussion. So we'll go ahead and center with three deep breaths. If we're comfortable, close our eyes. If you're not comfortable, you can just look to the ground beneath you. And let's take a deep breath in and exhale. And as we take this second breath, let's allow all of the distractions and stressors that are preventing us from being fully present to the here, to the now, to this discussion, to really just wash over us. They'll be there when we're done. Let's take that second breath in and exhale those distractions and stressors. And let's take this third and final breath for here and now and bringing all of our attention and energy to this moment. Breath in and exhale. When you're ready, open your eyes. So I thought it would be fitting given how we started this discussion pre-recording talking about having a four-year-old who's home, who's sick, how confusing it is for 
kids, to see parents working from home, and what does that mean? How do you, Eric, you've talked a lot about the power of taking time to pause and what that means for you and your family as a husband to country singer Jesse James Decker, who has her own big career and travel schedule to your three young children. What does pause mean for you in your daily life? You know, what does it look like today, Monday, in the James Decker household? How are you finding moments to pause? And I think about this a lot with my own young children. How do you cultivate that in them? How do you model that for them? Well, today, I don't know if I've been able to find that moment yet. (laughs) You know, it's something I'm always working on. But for me, when I was in college, I played baseball as well. And we had a, a sports psychologist that would come in. And we would talk about failure because baseball is a sport where you fail. And I felt like I learned so much at that point in my life on how to be more consistent with my emotions, how to mentally uh, deal with the ups and downs, the roller coaster of life, of sports, of whatever it is you're into. The big thing was taking the deep breaths and the positive affirmations. And so for me right now, Especially after COVID, I've found ways to be in nature for me that is helpful. Nature means going on a walk at some trail or it's I got a garden and chickens now and just being outside in our property and kind of connecting in a sense with Mother Earth. Like for me, that's that's a way to kind of reset or pause. But the mornings for me are built in. It's like uh, wake up, start the coffee. I do a couple of things. And kind of have that moment for myself where it's a fresh start to the day. And then, you know, so far today, it's been distractions with yeah, sick child home, catching up on a bunch of work stuff, you know, because we love to get all our stuff accomplished by three o'clock mark when we pick our kids up. And then we try to be in the moment with our kids at that point. And, you know, with them, we try to teach them, especially before they go to bed, you know, it's like take your bath, shower, and then let's have time to like just be still, be still. It's hard for kids to be still. Like be mm-hmm. still, reading a book, having conversation. What part of the day was great? What are some things that, you know, maybe you didn't like, but just a reconnection moment, not only for the relationship part, but just internally as well to kind of digest those things as you go to bed and wake up fresh for a new start. And you really can't underestimate a child's ability to see it and internalize it. I know with my four-year-old, I will be so floored when we're doing before bed our highlights of our day and something we're grateful for. And she will say, I'm grateful that we're all healthy or I'm grateful that we're all together. (laughs) And it's like, what did that really come out of your mouth and you're four years old? You're getting it. Like you're getting gratitude. And how cool is that? Matt, how do you encourage your clients, friends to do this, knowing that they live such huge, busy lives. And it's hard to compete with the very acute professional demands and then Mm -hmm. the needs of family and community and also just inner, as Eric said, stillness. Yeah, I think it's about prioritizing the right things. We get hit with requests and asks all day long. So it's balancing which ones to do, which ones not to do, which ones to find the right time to do. And of course, there are you know non-negotiables. If the kids have something that they need to be at, then that's just something that we can't do. And as their manager, I know that 
that's what is the most important to them. So for me, I've, you know, fully accepted that sometimes there are things that we have to turn down and that's okay. But they're also, I think, really realistic about the things that are important to do and we'll make changes, shuffle things around. We typically always find a way to make something work. And there are a lot of ways to make things work. I'm curious, for so many people, the crossroads of well-being, mental health, pause, work-life integration, there usually was a catalyst or a moment when someone says, okay, enough. Like, I've been operating in this way or I've been working in this way and I can't sustain, I can't do it anymore. Was there a moment for you, Eric, or you and Jesse, where you said, we have to shift and change? Or were you always, from the beginning, so devoted to your wellness and there wasn't that crossroads, so to speak? For me, it was, I think when I retired, 2018, it was a relief and just a weight lifted off my shoulder because I didn't have people to call to and, you know, the criticism from within or from without and just the constant stress that that career gave me. You know, and again, it goes back to college when I had the sports psychologist and baseball and, and some really good coaches. And the one thing that still sticks with me, and I say it a lot, is like less is more. And so not that I practice that so great, but I know that fundamentally it's a part of every conversation, every decision I make. It's like, all right, you take on all these things and there's great outcomes and rewards for it, but where do you sacrifice? And I've felt like I went through a wall after retirement. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was trying to find a replacement for what football gave me, not only as an ego, but just the camaraderie with teammates and a purpose in a sense. And I think I had to redefine that. So that experience in itself kind of created that world for me. And I had to do a lot of self-discovering. And so all those things that have led up to this point of now the discussions between Justin and I are, these are our priorities. We're not sacrificing anything for these things. Okay. And what does it look like for a long-term goal, short-term goal? And what plugs into that place? Do you feel like retiring gave you the space to do that work, to go on that journey? 100%. Yeah, because not only was my time given back, it was the distraction of, okay, here's your schedule, show up, this is when you arrive, this is what your day looks like, you get home, you see the family for a little bit, you go to bed, same thing next day, right? So all that time was given back and it was like, oh wow, who am I again? Like, what are my passions and my interests and what do I want to do in my 30s the rest of my life? You know, that was a short stint of my life, but it definitely created and defined who I was a lot. And so that for sure was a big reason of getting into, I call it just self-discovery mode. And I'll say, all right, I'll cut the workout to focus on making sure things get done at the office. And that's where I need to do a better job and kind of, Matt, you can do this for me, but have someone just stay on me. Like, all right, what's your goal? Three times a week to work out, four times where are you at? You know, are you trending to get that done? Like that's, I need to get better at making that a priority because it should be for me. Well, even you talk about having young kids and all of the competing demands, and it's hard when they're so little to say, like, okay, yes, I know you want me to play with you, but <laughs> mommy, daddy needs to exercise. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so impossible, right? But it's so critical because you feel better. You function yeah. at a higher level when you've sweat and moved your body. And you're better for them. 
Totally. I am a better mom. I am a better CEO. I'm a better wife when I feel energized and in my body. Matt, how do you think of yourself as an accountability partner in wellness and coping and managing? Like, what's your role and how do you think about accountability in a kind of peer or group setting? Yeah, well, I think that when it comes to health and wellness, everyone obviously has different needs to function at their best. At this point, I have a pretty good idea of what each client needs in order to be the best version of themselves. So it varies. And obviously, like you were saying, there are different times where that falls onto the back burner. But I do think it's about maybe not necessarily doing it consciously, but somewhat subconsciously making sure they have some time during their day to do the things that they need to do to feel good, and especially when traveling. Jesse, for example, I know that she likes to have a cup of coffee in the morning and she likes to make sure that she actually gets to eat a meal and do something active during the day. So we could have a super busy slam day, but if we can find windows of time where she can have 20 minutes to have coffee, do a 45 minute workout, make sure that she can sit down and have lunch and dinner, then we can cram a bunch into the day, but she still feels like her priorities or kind of her pillars or things that she needs to do to feel good haven't totally gone by the wayside. I would say it's kind of the same with Eric too. I think you guys are pretty aligned in terms of what you like and need to feel good about yourselves. And it is about incorporating those things into the work schedule as well. Like we'll work out together and then we can catch up right after that workout and talk about what we need to accomplish for the rest of the week, which is always fun um, and doesn't necessarily feel like work, but we're kind of killing two birds with one stone there. Especially in this kind of job and career, there aren't really strong lines between work and just normal day-to-day activity. It's not like we're necessarily going into an office from nine to five every day and knocking on our work and then we're able to go do whatever we want outside of those hours. It's pretty consistent throughout the day where there's stuff that comes in that we need to deal with or do. And especially with Jesse being on tour right now, it's like her work day may start at 2 or 3 p.m. with a sound check, and then the bulk of her work is from 8 to 10 p.m. when she's on stage, and that's a very different schedule. That's the hard part, too, is the unpredictability in a sense where mm-hmm. there isn't a structured format. One day looks completely opposite of the next, and then you're trying to blend in kids' activities or things that are, in a sense, routine, and just trying to make it all blend and work. You talked about kind of tag-teaming the kids and work and life before this, how your four-year-old, your son is sick, Jesse's with him now. How do you build in time? What is the routine for the two of you to stay connected and grounded to one another Because that, I can imagine, is the foundation for everything in your home. You know, we do a lot of stuff together work-wise. And so even dividing work and personal time can be a challenge, you know, because it's like you're out together at dinner and you're talking about work. But I think we're, you know, very thoughtful in the sense of every night we'll get the kids ready, put them in their rooms, have them read their books, have some quiet time, and we'll go get a glass of wine, catch up. We'll find a TV show to watch while we're sitting in bed, make that our time. Or, you know, some date nights, we try to get out and have dinner and having those moments where it's connecting on that personal level, building that foundation up. Because it is, in hindsight, us two forever. Our kids are someday will leave the nest, right? And we want to make sure we're not like complete strangers when that time happens. And so being very thoughtful about how that time is spent and that relationship is growing. 
Yeah, the intentionality is critical. What are some of the other habits, rituals that you either had already had in place in the first chapter of your career as a NFL player or new habits and rituals that you've cultivated in this next stage of your life as a father that allow you to function at the highest level, be present and grounded to everyone around you? That's where sports, I think, you know, I'm such an advocate because not only was it a huge part of my life, but I think it taught me so many wonderful skills and habits. I mean, from sacrifice to teamwork, to being resilient, to dealing with loss and how do you fight back, just building up a lot of those characteristics that I think season you as a young adult or as an adult and, and can be transferable to as a parent or in a career. Jess will say I'm very structured and I love routine, which is true. There's some sense of routine that gives me comfort. And so whether that's waking up at a certain time every day, having that moment to myself, getting the kids ready for school, you know, and Jess is more the the life of the house. She's the, the color of the heart, the energy. And so she brings the fun, she brings the passion and maybe not so much the structure. And that's where I try to fit in. And we balance each other off that way where it's like, all right, kids, like you're getting to school on time, you're waking up on time, you're doing things <laughs> on time. I'm laughing because it's the same in my house. Like when my right? husband's traveling, it's like we are without a doubt going to be a good five <laughs> minutes to 10 minutes late to school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, why like, would we turn off the Encanto dance party and cut it out right. early? If everyone's having fun this morning, we're going to finish our dance party. Then you can put your shoes on and get your backpacks. For me, it's like, no, you're waking up, you're tired, deal with it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so those habits for sure, you know, it's just like all that I've gathered from sports have, have carried over to who I am and how I just operate as a person. And so I don't think many habits have changed. I think to your point, being more intentional or more thoughtful of things now that I have a little bit more time is, is important because it's allowed myself to kind of say, all right, well, this is who I am. This is what's important. Well, let's try to work on being intentional about making that happen. And also with that too, learning my spouse better in terms of her love language or what her needs are and being able to respond to that. So some of those habits I've tried to create and establish better. And Matt, what are some of the habits that you use managing people with highly complex schedules, competing demands? I mean, I'm sure a lot of that stress transfers to you personally. How do you both functionally do the job and stay a human and a friend to a lot of your clients? It is an interesting balance because I do consider my clients among my best friends. Those are people that I also hang out with socially and with this job. These are the people that you do end up spending holidays with and birthdays with. So there's that connection outside of work as well. And for me, I found that to actually be really helpful in a number of ways, because like I was saying, the lines are blurred between work and fun and life in this business. So if you're able to do all of those things with these people at the same time, then it makes it, in my opinion, a lot easier to actually accomplish things. It makes the constant communication and time spent together not feel so hard. And there is just stuff that comes up all day long throughout the day that if you're just talking about whatever it is you're talking about, you can also get work done at the same time. It's also, I think, helped me be really honest with everyone. For me, I'm the type of person where I feel like I can be more honest with someone when I do have that kind of close relationship. 
So if it was someone that it was just purely business, having some of these difficult conversations that come up from time to time may never happen. But because there is that friendship and bond and relationship there, it makes tackling some of these challenging things a lot easier. What helps me not be stressed is knowing that my clients aren't stressed and it's knowing what each of them needs to not be stressed. And like Eric was saying, him and Jesse operate in really different ways. So with Eric, we will go into the office once a week, spend a couple hours talking about the plan for the week, and then I can have the week to work on those things and just execute and work more steadily on those projects. Whereas with Jesse, there's just a lot that comes our way. So it's just dealing with things as they come. And there's 10 different things that pop up during the day that I just handle as they come in. And it's not as structured work, but I know that that's how they both function best. And if they're functioning their best, then I function at my best. <laughs> so it just is about adapting to those different styles. That's what's great about Matt too, is like all his clients, including my wife, are like very creative, just mm-hmm. free-spirited type people, right? And so he brings some of the structure or needs to be that type of way to balance whether it's emotions or calendars, whatever it is. And so that's been super helpful, you know, not only for me as her husband, but as we've done business together and very like-minded that way. But he also has been working with Jess longer than I've been with her. And so sometimes I'm like, hey, Matt, you need to help me communicate this thing with her because <laughs> I might not be the best at it, but I know the way you deliver things can be softer or <laughs> maybe more understandable, whatever adjective you want to use. So it's been really nice having that as well. Jesse James Decker is currently on tour. And I read that you decided to not only bring the kids, but all live on a bus together as a family. Can you just talk about the decision and (laughs) how you handle parenting under these very unique circumstances? The decision was made because not only our kids think it's the coolest adventure in the world, but (laughs) mommy wants everyone around, you know, not to be (laughs) gone too long. So we're one weekend down and it was a lot of fun. We had a few sicknesses, so it was a little unique at times, but I mean, just the excitement to get on there and have the bunks and they had, you know, the little baskets just made for them with their activities. And then every city we try to find something different or unique to explore. You know, it's just really cool. I think it's something that bonds us and we'll have those memories forever. Be like, (laughs) do you remember taking the bus up to Detroit and Eric's throwing up and, you know, we're trying to (laughs) clean it up and everyone else is freaking out or we got to go to Columbus and see the baseball game and they got to be on the field for batting practice. Like those things are, are really, you know, special. And so it's been challenging in the sense that it's tight quarters, right? And no one really has space and you have to keep them active. And so when it's colder out, which now it's warming up, but you got to, you know, think outside the box. And so whether it's indoor pool or it's a jump house, you know, trampoline park, whatever it is to try to keep them active is maybe one of the challenges. Otherwise, it's just so nice to be together and for them to see their mommy singing and doing what she loves and people screaming for her. I think they're just like, it's special. Yeah. How cool. And I can imagine that's pretty rare. How many parents choose to bring their children with them on tour? I think it says so much about the commitment you have to your family unit and building these memories together despite the inherent chaos and sicknesses and routines and nap times and whatever while being on the road and having to perform. Yeah. I mean, I think this speaks a lot to Jess and what her priorities are in life. And 
be able to hold the weight down, sense of taking care of the kids, because it's a lot of work for her outside of being a mom with the preparation of meet and greets and getting ready for a big performance and some of the obligations on her plate. So it's a balancing act, no doubt. But it's so special at the end when you look back and like, wow, that was a fun trip. And it's the same idea we had about taking the kids to Europe. And it's a new world, it's a new experience and the unknowns and then the planes and all the stuff. We had two kids get stitches. And man, it was like certain days we looked at each other like, what are we doing? But now we talk about like, how fun was that? Like, that was so great. That's it for me. That's what life is. Like, you get those nuggets that are special. And so fun experiences are the ones you talk about and remember. And like, maybe it's tough. Maybe it's a grind at times. But like, there's so much that it's worth to make that happen. Well, it takes a certain kind of, I want to say resilience, but also really perspective in how you view challenges too. So the fact that you and Jesse can laugh about it and say, okay, we had two kids get stitches. I hope everybody's okay. But (laughs) it's an adventure and we are building memories together. And yes, it's chaos with time changes and suitcases and sleeping, but we're building memories and this is something that they'll take with them. And I think so much of what we see in our work, both in classrooms and schools and homes, is these are skills, the ability to bounce back, the ability to be resilient, the ability to view a challenge as a learning opportunity, and how much more positive and fun and also successful people will be and the communities that we can cultivate if we're able to do that. I mean, you talked about how teaching and learning with your children has helped you learn even more about yourself. What would you say have been your top learnings in your, I guess, is it eight years of parenting so far? Yeah, Yeah, eight last March. You know, I love what you just said. Like, that's so true. And the first thing that comes to my mind is, like, social media sometimes gives gives us the wrong perspective, kind of these false identities or, or false worlds in a sense. And, like, the thing is, is having perspective of challenges you go through, of every experience you have, like that is everything. That was what makes the world special and happy. If you could get that right and surround yourself with people that are like-minded that way and try to try to teach that word. But for me, like I think a perspective as a parent has been just selfless. Your world revolves around them, their schedules, their needs. And so putting others, putting them first over yourself is one of the biggest perspectives that I've had to learn because before then it's, you know, it's my career. It's what I do to prepare myself to perform at the highest level. And like that, that starts going away fast as a parent. And I think it's the unconditional love. What you put in or pour in is what you get out. And at the end of the day, as they say, you miss those moments when the kids are out of the house and stuff. And so I think that's for me too, is being intentional, being in the moment stressors that, you have in your life and think, okay, what can we do in this moment to build our relationship, to have fun, to to create a memory? And people have such a hard time, I would say at large, have a hard time doing that, putting the phone away, you know, on a Saturday when there's no way people are getting blown up by some critical, (laughs) urgent work email and you're sitting around and everyone's head is in their device. The inability to separate and be present is really sad because we're missing opportunities for joy and play and creativity and fun and all of the things that make life worthwhile. I wonder 
so much of both your and Jesse James' life have been in the public eye in building your family. How has that impacted the intentionality you bring to your decisions, like bringing the children with you on tour and living in a bus together, or the pause that you bring to your marriage and to them? How does life in the public eye impact your both decisions and abilities to do those things? Well, before we had kids, we decided to do a TV show and broadcast, in a sense, the lead up to our wedding, the lead up to our first child, and kind of bringing people into our lives. And I think we just kind of wanted to share our story because we really feel like we're just two normal people. You know, I grew up in a very small town. She grew up in a small town, but was a military brat. And she has her stories that are really inspiring about being bullied and coming back and like, you know, being an inspiration in a sense. And so I think we kind of wanted to share a little bit of of that love and that relationship that we were starting to form. Now with our kids, I mean, we are who we are. Our kids may be with us if we get noticed or want to take a picture, but try to be intentional about not going to certain places where it's overwhelming. And that's why we live in Nashville. Nashville is such a great city. The value system here is really important in terms of raising family and, and having some kind of spiritual foundation and just the community feel like all those things are part of our upbringing. And I think Nashville provides that. And that's why we're here. We want to provide that to our kids. And so they're going to be a part of this experience. I think Vivian is eight and she kind of understands what's going on. She might be more famous than me right now, to be honest with you. And so (laughs) it comes with the territory, but it's not trying to normalize it, but just say like, you know what, this is your platform. Use it. You are who you are. And and we try to shield her from obviously the negativity and, and, and the bad stuff that's out there. But there's so much positivity that can come out of it trying to share that with the world, I think is important. So that's kind of who we are. Yeah, I'll say you both have done a really good job of not making your blessings be a burden or making it be a scary thing for the kids, which is evident in the way that they are in front of people and how they treat others and act. And I think it's all about how you frame it. And you guys have done a really good job of making it a good thing and not a bad thing. You know what, like kids personalities too are like different, right? Like our oldest is She's a showstopper. She's confident. And so she doesn't mind that limelight, I guess, in a sense. But our middle one is like the shyest reserved person ever. And so it's like, all right, well, you don't need to go on stage and wave to everybody or he doesn't need to do that. So it's not like forcing them in these situations. I think it's embracing it, which some kids embrace it more than others. And so providing them that environment to be confident and comfortable in is is also very key for us. So again, like I said, if she wants to dabble and be kind of an entertainer, like, that's awesome. Like, do your thing. You both have experienced being in the careers that you both have, extreme highs, extreme lows, and often in front of other people or other people, strangers, being aware of the highs and the lows and the disappointments and the losses. How do you cope with that, knowing that there are such extremes, I think when you function at a certain level, the highs can be extremely high and the lows can feel extremely low. And so how do you kind of weather that and move through it? Do you feel that then the highs end up feeling less high? Do you feel numbed emotionally because it can be so volatile, whether that's an entrepreneur, a manager, or a professional athlete? For me... I felt like my personality, especially as a kid, is I didn't want to disappoint people. That was a struggle of learning 
how to deal with criticism, how to deal with failure at a young age. And then over time, as I matured emotionally and time with great coaches, or like I said, a sports psychologist and, and presented all these things. And it's like, okay, I get it. Like, I want to try to be as consistent as possible, like a straight line, you know, not taking the roller coaster of the highs and lows and like going through it all in a sense, the same. And I think I've, I adapted that. And then as I became a professional, I felt like the lows weren't as low and the highs for me weren't as high because I was like, well, I got to focus on the next week or I got to focus on the next thing. And so Jess was always like, you got to like enjoy this. You got to like soak it all in. This is a cool moment. I, I think I've weathered myself to the point of trying to be that consistent line. And so I think there's pros and cons of both. If you're an emotional person, like you feel those emotions and it's just a wild ride. But at the same time, I think being consistent with emotions gives you maybe more longevity and just the long tenure. You got to find that balance. Yeah, I think something that I really took away the first long, silent meditation retreat I did, I remember saying, I feel more even. I'm not feeling the highs with the same force and yeah. excitement, but I also am not getting as low. And that's you taking care of yourself. That's an act of self-love. And so much of mindfulness and meditation and all of that work is about, I love what you said, longevity. It's like riding those waves can get really volatile. What about you, Matt? I've thought about this a lot in my role because I think for better or worse, both entertainers and athletes, a lot of their identity when it comes to success and failure can be tied just to them because it is their name and their face and everything they're doing and putting out there. It's it's not like it's associated necessarily with a company or another entity or a public team of people. It's It's them. I think reminding them that this whole burden is not just on you. And then also it's, you know, all the glory isn't necessarily on you either. So it's, I think can sometimes be difficult for artists or entertainers or athletes to have that perspective and find that balance. But I do try to be mindful of that because I think that at its worst, it can be really isolating to feel like, okay, whether this is a success or not is fully dependent on what I'm doing. And that in reality, that's just, it's not the case, but I think it can be really easy to think that. Absolutely. This has been such a fun, robust discussion. Thank you both for joining us. Before we close, we want to take an opportunity to reflect and send out something that we're grateful for in this moment. So today, midday, what are you feeling grateful for through a word and a phrase just to kind of send us off as we move on with the rest of our stressful, I'm sure, dynamic, busy afternoons. So I can go first. I am feeling in this moment really grateful for laughter. I really appreciated all the opportunities that you both, Matt and Eric, offered for just a good chuckle. I really needed that today. And I'll go next. I am extremely grateful for my health. And I say that because just a couple of days ago, I got a text from a young kid who I've known since I was in college, and he's going through his sixth time fighting cancer. And so it's just, again, a perspective of very grateful to be healthy and uh, not have to do those challenges. Yeah. Uh, mine is tied to that too. I think I'm really grateful for just having ability, the ability to, to do this and do it in a way where for a couple of years we weren't able to do it. For instance, tonight, Jesse and I are flying to 
Napa for a radio show that she has tomorrow. So that wasn't a possibility six, 12 months ago. So I'm really grateful for that. Well, thank you both for joining me. I know how busy your schedules are, and especially with the tour. Have so much fun on the family (laughs) bus trip. So excited to hear more about it. And truly, thank you. I think our listeners will really appreciate the honesty and breadth of this discussion. Thanks for having us, Sarah. It was fun. Yes, thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Move This World with me, Sarah Potler Lahane. Before you go, wherever you are right now, join me for one final breath and hold in your mind a word or phrase that you are taking away from this conversation. Breathe in and out. At Move This World, we know social and emotional wellness is necessary, relevant, and impacts our everyday lives at school, in our homes, at our workplaces, and in our relationships. The tools we need to develop are critical for our happiness and success as individuals and as communities. Together, we can create a world where everyone belongs. To explore more ways to move this world, visit us at movethisworld.com or follow us on Twitter at move underscore this world. If you liked this episode, please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced by Jessica Altunian and Seaplane Armada. I cannot wait to move this world with you.